Hey, online church family. We're so glad that you've joined us today. My name is Dan Lidstone, and I'm the creative pastor here at Connection Point. Well, we've been in a series called Greater Things, and in that series, our pastor, John Dickerson, has laid out a vision for where our church is going over the next two years. Here's the exciting part. A huge part of that vision involves you, our online family. All across the United States, we're seeing these digital hotspots popping up in different areas, but we see God especially energizing the Chicagoland area. Every week, we have over 600 people that join us just from the Chicagoland area. So we need to hear from you. We don't quite know who you are, but we would love to hear from you. So do us a favor, text the word Chicago to 317-350-1996. Just text us, we'll be in touch with you because we have some special things planned for you. Listen, if you're joining us from another area of the country, we still love you, we're still interested in hearing from you, and you can do this. You can fill out a connection card during the service today. Well, we're so glad that you've joined us today. We can't wait to see what God does. We believe he's gonna do greater things, and we're so glad that you're with us in that vision. Hey, good morning. Super glad to be with you. We enjoyed being here last night and in the earlier service this morning. My wife and I now live in Dallas, and I just want to thank you for welcoming us to your community with a good old Dallas heat. Thank you for doing that. Uh, it's been a blessing to us. We thought we were getting going north and getting away from it, but here we are. Uh, but it's great to be with you. I, I just need you to know I love your pastor. I've loved him for a long time, and uh, I think you are privileged and honored to have him as your pastor. Uh, th this church, I know your former pastor, we work with churches, our organization works with churches to help them see kind of around the corner of what's coming and how to be innovative in the future and how to continue to grow. Uh, we've worked with this church for, for many years before I was at a part of the organization. And uh, this church, you may not know this, but this church is a leading church among churches. Churches look to this church for what you're doing, especially in these days in the area of digital, online, uh, that campuses and that sort of thing. So you are leading the way, and I want to thank you for that on behalf of Leadership Network. Uh, when I heard that, um, that John was coming here, I knew that John was being sought after by some really great churches in our country. And when I heard he was coming here, I was like, that's a blessing to them, but man, they are they're, they're going to, if you will get behind him, I'm just, he didn't ask me to say this, if you'll get behind him in this new era of leadership, you're going to do things you never dreamed of before. He's that kind of leader. And I know you're honored to have him, and I'm just honored to be with you uh, this morning. The, um, the series you're in, Superheroes, I was excited to be a part of that one because I love the superhero. Uh, I, I, uh, my wife and I live in Dallas, and as I said, and, and I gone to a Rangers game, but I really preferred the smaller venue, and so recently we went to one in Frisco, Texas, a, a smaller venue baseball game, and, and uh, it, it, they just have so much energy, you know, and they do so many activities and that sort of thing, so the night we showed up, it was superhero night, and they were giving out capes, and my wife and I raised two sons, and when our little boy, our youngest one was a little boy, he had a red cape, and he loved being, pretending to be the superhero, and so they were handing those out. I was a little disappointed they didn't have one in my size, because I was ready to go, but I watched, I'm an observer of people. If you're going to be a pastor, you got you to watch people, and so I was, uh, that's where your stories come from. My wife will make the illustration after a while, but the, I, was, I was watching this little boy, I, I suspect he was about six years old, and he got his cape, and his 
as soon as he put that on, he came alive. He became a superhero. He started kicking. He was kicking everything. He was kicking the wall. He was kicking the air. He was kicking his sister. You know, he was just kicking. Because there's something inside of, of every little boy, and I don't know, we raised two boys. We've got a granddaughter that's 20. I wish I'd have brought pictures. I've got them on my phone. See me after. But uh, we'll, maybe we'll find that out. I don't know about girls, but little boys, there's something in all of them. They want to be a superhero. In fact, there's something in all of us that at some level wants to be a hero. Maybe not the kind who shows up on a, on a movie screen, but all of us want to be at least a hero to somebody who knows his best. If you're in the room today and you're a follower of Christ, I mean, of course, Christ is the ultimate superhero, but who doesn't want to be a hero to God? The well-done, good and faithful servant kind of hero. We're going to look at another Bible superhero today, but first I, I want to ask you a very serious question. It's one I've been forced, even as I've done this message now the third time, to ask myself, what is it that keeps us from being the hero? I mean, if there's this inner desire in all of us for something, or, or at least something we know we're supposed to do, what is it that keeps me and you from following through and becoming, earning the title hero? And I would submit to you that many times it's a fear. Actually, it's the most common fear of, of, of mankind. It's, it's the fear of the unknown. What might happen if I really do what it takes to be the hero? What if I even try? And see, that's the difference in that six-year-old boy at the ball game, and, and many times me. You see, he put on his cape, and he didn't care who was watching he didn't care what other people might think. He just, he just went for it and started kicking. But see, we seem to outgrow that kid-like wonder, even though God told us to be like a little child, right? We tend to lose the gumption to be the hero. And yet, here's my observation about life. Uh, superheroes, the people who often become the heroes, aren't always necessarily the smartest people in the room. They aren't necessarily the ones with superpowers. They don't always even have a cape. Superheroes are often the ones who have the courage to make a decision, to go where no one else has gone or no one's willing to go, and to take a risk, to step out by faith and go into the unknown. But that's scary, isn't it? In fact, when you don't know the outcome, that's where the fear of the unknown comes from. But what if the outcome didn't matter that much? What if what people thought and how, where things will actually end up, what if that was completely out of your hands and placed into the hands of another? There's a story in the Bible of a young woman who somehow found the courage to do what she felt was right, and she did it by trusting the outcome to someone else. Use your table of contents if you need to, but find the book of Esther. Esther's a great story in the Old Testament, and while you're turning there, I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, Esther. Esther was a, a Jew. She was an Israelite. It means she was a follower of, of God. And Esther's story begins something like this, uh, or at least the story we have recorded. The Israelites were in a time of 
being captive by another nation, a rival nation. They were being held in exile as slaves, and the, the king of this rival nation decided he wanted to have a, a feast. The king always had the most beautiful bride, and so when the feast was in, was in full, uh, when they were in the middle of the party, the, the king decided to have his queen come and show off her beauty to everyone. Well, the queen refused to come. We don't often talk about this character in the story, but talk about a strong woman. It takes guts to stand up to what was probably abuse. And, you you, you know, we have to admire some of the women over the last few years who've had the courage to step forward and say that they themselves had been abused. But the queen's refusal didn't sit well with the king, and so he actually made a, uh, as a result of that, he actually made a law to make sure this never happened again, that the queen or anybody else, any other woman would never do this to their husband again. In fact, I have to point out to you what I believe is one of the funniest verses in all the Bible. It's in Esther chapter 1, verse 20. When this decree is published throughout the king's vast empire, husbands everywhere whatever their rank, will receive proper respect from their wives. And all the men said, don't say it too loud. (laughs) How's that working for you guys? But because the king could get what he wanted, he decided to get a new queen. And they had all the young, single Girls in the land brought before the king, and because of Esther's beauty, she was chosen as the new queen. He fell in love with her beauty instantly and gave her the crown. And at first glance, this almost sounds like it's a a wonderful place to be. I mean, your country's in exile, you, you get to be the queen, you get to live in the palace. I mean, what could be better, right? But as we learned from the previous queen, being royalty isn't always wonderful. Listen, Esther wasn't being blessed to be a blessing here. We've often made this story something that it's not. Everything is not wonderful here. Nothing ever says this was, this was her desire as a little girl. She wanted to be queen and live in that palace with, with that king. Nothing ever says that. This story starts as more of a story of lust than it starts of love. If we want a love story, let's go read the book of Ruth. That's not what this story is. But in chapter 3, we're introduced to a servant of the king named Haman. Now, Haman was a wicked man, and he, uh, but the king liked him, and so the king gave him a position second in line only to the, to the king. All the people were told to kneel down to Haman. Lester's well, cousin, the one who raised her, Mordecai, was a God, godly man, and he refused to bow down to anybody except God, and so he wouldn't bow down to Haman, even though he was warned day after day to do so. Well, Haman finds out about it. He gets furious, and so he decides to get even, and since Mordecai was a Jew, instead of just getting rid of Mordecai, he decided to kill everyone like Mordecai. He wanted to kill all the Jews. And so the king agreed to the plan, and a law was signed to rid the the world of of all the 
Jews. You talk about a persecuted group of people, the Jews continue to be. But letters were sent to all the king's command posts to kill all of them. Now, thankfully, that's not the end of the story, but it is where we pick up in the story. In chapter 4, Mordecai gets word of Haman's evil plan to Esther. Tells her what's about to take place. Listen to Esther's reply in Esther chapter 4, Esther chapter 4, verse 11. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. It's an honest response. But listen to Mordecai's word back to her. Mordecai sends a word back to her. Verse 13. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at, this time, at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Has to be one of the most famous phrases of the Bible. People who don't even follow the Bible know for such a time as this. But, but that verse is always such a comfort to me. It reminds me that my, my God's timing is always perfect. He's not surprised by the circumstances of my life or of your life. The world is not a pleasant place at times. Did you, did you know that? Even Christians, even good, honest Christians, come to church every Sunday, get cancer, right? Christians lose their jobs. Have you seen the news lately? It's not a pleasant place. But this verse reminds me, for such a time as this, when God is ready, he can correct every wrong. You can be very sure of this. God is on his throne and he is fully in control. Someone needs that reminder today. That God has this world, he has your world in his hands. But let's consider Esther's response to Mordecai. This is, this is beautiful. Verse 16. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same, and then, though it is against the law, I will go to see the king. If I must die, I must die. Wow. Some versions say, if I perish, I perish. Esther says, I'll do it. Even if it costs me everything, I'll do it. Folks, that's the heart of a superhero. And Esther was clever in the way that she did it, too. She was carefully planned how she was going to carry this out. She... Um, the king accepted her, and so he, get, he, and he even told her, you can have up to half the, the kingdom, and all Esther asked for was, can you come to a banquet? Esther planned a banquet for the king, then she planned another banquet for the king. This actually teaches us a very important principle for women to know. If you want your man to listen, feed him good food, right? Actually works for some women too, doesn't it? I travel a lot uh, lately, and so I, 
I've just decided I'm just going to get my hair cut whenever I need my hair cut. So wherever I'm at, I get my hair cut. And so recently I was getting my hair cut in this new shop. I'd never been there before, and all the ladies are, uh, it was just all ladies, and they were cutting hair. And, and uh, they started talking about how it was almost lunchtime and how they were getting hungry. And then one of them all of a sudden said, uh, I'm just hangry. I wasn't sure what that meant, but later I learned it means you're hungry enough to be angry. So then the girl cutting my hair says, I'm just hangry too. And at that point, I'm wondering, am I going to get my neck shaved today? I mean, like, I just want out of this place, right? And that story has absolutely nothing to do with anything. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. But it does remind us, just feed us, right? But Esther had the king's attention. And so the king granted her another request. She asked the king to spare her people. And further proving that this is not a love story, see, the king didn't even know that the people he had sentenced to death were Esther's people. But whenever the king learned about it, he became furious at Haman instead. And so Haman ended up being the one put to death instead of the Jews. And a little bit of God irony, they actually hung Haman the same place they were going to hang Mordecai. Well, that's the basic story of Esther, the superhero. I'd love for you to go back and just read all of it. It could be its own series, great story. But what, what is in Esther's story that we can learn from that can help us with our own attempt to be heroes? I want to share four things with you quickly this morning. Four things. That's where you'll find them in your notes. I think they'll be here on the screen in a moment. The first one is this. This story reminds us that God has a unique plan for your life. God has a unique plan for your life. God knew exactly what he was doing when he put Esther in this royal position. And by the way, God knows what he, where he has you too. God hasn't made a mistake with you and where you are in life. You may not like where you are. You may not be all the places that you want to be in life. But God's not made a mistake with where he has you. But if you will submit your life to God, he will allow you to bloom where you're currently planted. Regardless of all your story and all your experiences, God will allow you to bloom where you're planted. I think we spend too long in life trying to figure out where God wants us to be, often wishing we were somewhere else, instead of allowing God to do something with our life where we are right now. Listen, if you're a plumber, plumb to the glory of God. If you're a banker, bank it up in Jesus' name. Instead of viewing yourself as stuck in a dead-end career, or looking back at your life and wishing things had happened differently, why not view yourself as being purposefully positioned by God for such a time as this? God's plan for your life includes all your experiences and all your circumstances. He works all things for an ultimate good because he wants to use all of us for a greater work. You too can be a superhero. The second thing I think this story teaches is we learn in this story that sometimes common sense won't work following God's plan. Sometimes common sense simply won't work following God's plan. 
when the choices of your life intersect with your faith, you'll have to decide whether to follow your faith or follow the circumstances you found yourself in. Sometimes we have to face the fear of the unknown, even when it makes no practical sense to do so. You think Esther wasn't afraid? Of course she was afraid. Fear is a natural, even God-given emotion. It can be actually be very helpful to become afraid. Esther would have to approach the king, even though she didn't have permission, even though it was against the law to do so. It could have meant sudden death for Esther. Of course she was afraid. Yet how does she respond? If I must die, I must die. Talk about perspective. But see, Esther wasn't, giving, wasn't going without any hope. Esther wasn't being sadistic. Esther was placing her trust in another in the God she loved, and the God she knew loved her. It's like the psalmist who said, Lord, my life is in your hands. The request didn't make sense, but placing her complete trust in God did. Let's consider something else in Esther chapter 4, verse 14 again. Let's read that verse again, 414. If you keep quiet at a time like this. Deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows? If perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Consider two of those two words in that last sentence, the first two words, who knows? That sentence in my Bible has a question mark at the end. You know why? Because it's a question. It's not a trick question. It's a question. So they put a question mark. You see, Mordecai didn't know. And neither did Esther. They went without knowing. But isn't that where the fear of the unknown comes from? The times when we don't know what is going to happen? I'm convinced many people never get to realize God's best for them because they're never willing to step into the unknown. They never push through the difficult part of following God by faith. I just want to say to you from personal experience, we came out of the business world into the ministry world as pastor for 16 years, four churches, couldn't keep a job. But, but every time, and even this move to Dallas, was huge leaps of faith. But I can promise you this, God is worthy of the risk. The third thing I think we learn from this story, if it's true that God has something unique planned for you and for your life, if the creator of your life has something specifically for you to do, then it makes sense to me at least that the time to get going with it is now. The time to get started is now. Why would you even wait? The story tells us that God would have saved his people. He's sovereign in that way. He's in control. He would have saved his people. But what would have happened to Esther? The king's edict to kill the Jews would have included her also. Again, Esther went without being 100% certain. Who knows? She did know, however, that for whatever reason, Esther had been made aware of the plan to kill the Jews. 
She also knew that no one else in the kingdom, no other follower of God had access to the king that she had. Nobody else had the position of queen. And she knew that God wanted to save his people. And so if Esther had any chance to be a superhero, it certainly appeared this was her time. This was her moment of opportunity. Here's the key if you want to excel at following God. If you want to be a superhero, just a hero, there will be times when you've gathered all the information you can. You've prayed as well as you know how. You've sought godly counsel. What you're attempting or what you're thinking about is not sinful, yet there's going to be something inside of you that just can't quite be sure. And I just need to tell you, you, you may never get to the per- point where you aren't nervous about the decision anymore. You can sleep on it. I always advise pastors to do that. Don't make a decision in a day. I advise our adult sons to do that. It's what I try to do. I'm going to sleep on this before I answer you. I, that's a wise decision. Esther waited three days. You can wait if you want for God to write something in the sky. I've just never read it. You can make excuses why you're not acting. I do that a lot. It's a default measure. You can hope all your questions won't be answered or will be answered. Mine just never have been. But at some point to be a superhero, you have to muster the courage to move forward. If you're going to be obedient, you may have to act on what you know today. Without all the answers, at such a time as this, Step out and walk by faith. Listen, never be afraid to act by faith and allow God to determine the outcome. I I used to tell my church, you take one step, he's already taken a thousand before you. Never fear leaving an unknown circumstance into the hands of a known God. The circumstance may not make sense, but trusting in God always will. And fourth and finally, and I think even best of all, this story teaches us a very valuable lesson about following God. Trusting in God completely brings great rewards. Esther saved a nation. Her obedience saved God's people from destruction. But there's more. If you continue reading the story, Mordecai ended up putting on a royal robe, uh, compliments of the king. He became, instead of Haman, the second most powerful person in the land, second only to the king. Mordecai and Esther actually got to write a new proclamation, put it in their own words. It was the proclamation that freed the Jews. When Esther went before the king, she was prepared for a worst-case scenario, yet instead she got a best-case scenario. At the end of chapter 8, many people converted to Judaism. They became followers of God. The, The people were so inspired by one young woman's faith that because of someone's obedience, an entire nation was impacted and changed. Sometimes we forget we serve a God without limitation. You know what my prayer is today? It's that you and I would develop our own superhero stories. That we would be willing to follow God by faith wherever he leads us. 
that if God were to prompt us to move in a certain direction or encourage us to do something, we just do it. Without all the questions answered, just do it. That even with uncertainty and unanswered questions, we'd be willing to walk by faith. Even get to a point where we would be willing, and I know this is radical talking, but where we would be willing to say, if I die, I must die because I'm going to trust my God. You may be wondering, where do I start with a challenge like that? Where do I even start with following at that level with God? Well, why not start with this? What is one area in your life where you know you need to trust God, but for whatever reason you've not yet done so? Maybe it's with that secret sin that you have in your life. Maybe it's with that relative or that neighbor who you know you need to reach out to, share your faith with, and so far you've just not done it. Maybe it's in that one place in your life, you know, probably one of the money sermons for pastors on the area of forgiveness because it impacts somebody in every room. Maybe there's that one person and they've hurt you the most, but you know you need to forgive them. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not based on what the other person did, it's based on what ultimately Christ did for you. Maybe it's to start trusting more with your finances. I realize you're in a, in a giving campaign, giving push here, and you know, whenever you start to write that first check, there's going to be something rises up inside of you that gets nervous, right? You'll never be 100% certain about that. I always told our church, you know, if giving is your problem, if, if greed, it's usually a result of greed, and if that's your problem, then giving is your remedy. But maybe it's that. Maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe it's to join this church. Maybe there's someone here today and there's never been a time where you placed your trust in Christ to, to, to save you and you haven't yet because you've got too many questions still. Maybe without all your questions answered. I still have questions. Maybe today you need to place your faith and your trust in the person of Jesus Christ, who lived, died, and rose again to save you. Whatever it is, why not start there? You see, the question is not so much what God's asking you to do. That'll change over time. The ultimate question for all of us is, will we obey? And in my experience and in my observation of the of studying the Bible for years, I think God tends to hold his best assignments for superheroes he know will already obey. Would you pray with me? God, I don't know, um, I don't know this room. This is my first time to speak to these people. and So I don't know what's going on in their hearts and their lives and what they brought in uh, this room today and what they're struggling with. I don't know what you're asking them to do. I'm sure there's various levels of, of things that you're asking them to, to, to commit to or to do. Or some, There could be someone here today sensing a call to step out into vocational ministry. It's happened to me at the age of 38. It could be someone you just are asking to just give something up today. Maybe it's a worry. Maybe it's a fear. And you're just asking them to give it over to you, to trust you as Esther had to do. God, I don't know what you are asking people to do, but I'm going to pray they have the courage to do it.
that, Lord, today would be one step closer to being found obedient as Esther was found obedient. And then I'm confident you'll see them with their red cape on and see them as a superhero. God, you lead us where you want us to go. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus.